Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. My father had invested everything he had made from hustling numbers and everything into this party because that was his dream. Everything was at stake. And to lose it like that in one night, that was just, like, devastating because people thought he was responsible. Everybody thought my dad set that party up. You're having a party two or three days in a row. On that last day, the robbers could have been at the previous parties the nights before. And the fella came in the bedroom where she was, and he took the blow of the cocaine, and that's when he explained to her who you are. Some of the richest men in this country. Some of the toughest men in this country. Guys who will not hesitate to blow your head off. You know, because you stepped on their shoes. shoes. From iHeartRadio and Doghouse Pictures, this is Fight Night. I'm Jeff Keating. As we mentioned in episode five, we believe Richard Wheeler was the mastermind of the heist. Wheeler had flown back to New York as an alibi, but his top enforcer, a man named Fast Eddie Parker, had his crew masked, armed, and ready to hit the after party. I tracked down the house where the robbery occurred, and the current owner, Chicken Man's nephew, invited me in. So we're standing here where the robbery took place almost 50 years ago. It's just unbelievable to be at the spot where this all took place after doing so many years of research. I'm imagining where the robbers would have been stationed as all of the partygoers were coming up to the house, how they would have been communicating on their walkie-talkies, how they would have been basically figuring out how to stay hidden while crowds of people were coming up to the house. It's a cul-de-sac, there's no way out. My name is James Martin, I'm the owner of the house. I'm also the nephew of Chicken Man, Gordon Williams. So, somewhere down on Handy Drive, I'm guessing maybe a football field, 
or less, you've got a car parked with one or two of the robbers inside on walkie-talkies, and they're basically communicating to one or two of the gentlemen at the front door of your house, letting them know that more cars and partygoers are coming up and preparing to come in. So they've got a lookout somewhere down there telling them what's about to happen as they enter the house. Okay. We also think that there is somebody parked on Old No on the other side of this that is letting that lookout car know that cars are about to turn as well. But I'm really imagining what's going on in the house right now. So I'm just inside the door where the robbery took place. Fast Eddie Parker would have been one of the gunmen at the front door, holding a 357 with a silencer. The other gunman would have been McKinley Rogers, holding a sawed-off shotgun. Okay. William Knox is the first person that greets the partygoers, we found out. And as soon as William lets in these three guys, the party is over and things are about to change. Oh, wow. Okay. This is from one of my interviews with Chicken Man as he reflected on that night. Barbara was getting ready in her bedroom when one of the masked gunmen came in while she was taking a blow of cocaine. This is the moment the robbery really began. The robbers came and planted themselves early in the house of the lady who was lived in the house. She had, she had some cocaine around there, and she told me that she was in there making up in her bedroom. And the fella came in the bedroom where she was, and he took a blow of the cocaine, and that's when he explained to her who he was. So they, they kept her there under the, under the gun. The after party never gets going because the robbers came in during the time while everybody was leaving the Muhammad Ali fight and got set up before they arrived. James and I concluded how they entered Barbara's bedroom. At some point, there is one of the robbers that comes into the room, either through this front door leading into the bedroom or through the Jack and Jill bathroom sneaking in this way and as she's dressing he basically pulls out a gun and lets her know that the robbery is on yeah, what and what makes sense to me is that if you're having a party two or three days in a row on that last day the robbers could have been at the previous parties the nights before they were they absolutely were casing the place out meanwhile after ali's victory chicken man left the municipal auditorium and headed to the Regency Hotel. He was so excited from the victory, he wasn't even thinking about what was going down at his house. I go from the fight to the Regency. So I see Frank. All the people right here know Frank. Frank Molden. But Frank Molden had been right here with the number. Chicken Man is speaking about Frank Moten, one of the key characters in our story. Frank started out running numbers in Atlanta in the 1950s and 60s and eventually moved to New York. There he worked his way up and became a major drug dealer and distributor. Frank was known as the Black Godfather and supposedly one of the leaders of the Council of Twelve. 
This was a group of high-level decision-makers for black organized crime. The Council of Twelve was known to be responsible for drug dealing, prostitution, racketeering, and other illegal activities around the country. We found out that Frank Moten would eventually be indicted and charged with 25 years to life for participating in a narcotics ring that had sold over $200 million worth of cocaine and heroin. Frank was a serious gangster, but he was also Chicken Man's friend, and Frank was the one who went to Fireball and told him to ask Chicken Man to host the after party in Atlanta. Here's Chicken Man telling JD where he went after the fight. I hang around at the reading for a while, talking to JB and some friends. He said, I might come out there, but he didn't really want to be where the gamblers was because he wasn't a gambler. I remember seeing you at the reading center. Brought Muhammad Lee back down there. So I'm in there. When you bring her Muhammad Ali back down there, on the first floor, Muhammad Ali came in and the people in the press and everybody yeah. was all around. Well, I was there. Yeah, I remember seeing you now. At about 1 a.m., Chicken Man and Fireball leave the Regency, heading to the house where the robbery was already in full effect. Chicken Man is so hyped up from the celebration, he's not even thinking about why Barbara Smith never showed up at the fight. It never dawned on me why she didn't come, but that didn't matter. The fight was over now and we was on the way home. So I tell a friend of mine, Johnny Johnson from Philadelphia, I said, I'm gonna go. I go and get the car and I go. I had no idea. I mean, everything was up in there. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Is he breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top 
of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Back where the robbery took place, I continued my tour with James Martin, that's Chicken Man's nephew, and the current owner of the house. It was looking like a place where you were going to go gamble and party. Okay. The curtains were drawn, but there's music blaring from inside of the house and specifically the front room. They had lights going and that behind the curtains, they had people dancing and partying. So even it looked like with the shadows and movement, like people were celebrating inside. So as you're walking towards the house, you feel like you're walking into a celebration and people are walking up this stone walkway with grass on either side of it to the front door, probably drunk, probably high, and definitely completely excited and full of celebration after the Muhammad Ali fight. And many of them carrying stacks of cash and covered in jewelry. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm thinking that the first thing your experience is, is shock that you are celebrating about 10 to 20 minutes earlier, and now you've got a shotgun or a 357 with a silencer to your head. I'm thinking that you're scared. I'm thinking that you're trying to figure out what happened. Here's an interview between J.D. Hudson and Chicken Man that was recorded several years after the heist. Chicken Man is explaining what happened when he first arrived back at the house. I'm late getting there for, to the park, but when I do show up, I mean, the cars is lying all around the place. You understand? I mean, I said, what are you people going to think we have up in here? I had a special way I would come to that house. And this house had to be where it was. It was, it was, you had to know where you were going yeah. to go there. There's no way you could have them up there. You had to go down and turn. And then and turn, turn. And then go, turn. And yeah. the color side. And when I came in that second drive, there was a Cadillac parked there. I don't know whose Cadillac was. Yeah. And I looked at my plate, called the license plate, New York license plate. The cars is lying all around the place. You understand? I mean, I said, what are these people going to think we have up in here? All these cars, the Rolls Royce, and 
Chappelle, this Jumazine, Jumazine. Whose Cadillac that was? I don't know whose Cadillac was. And I come to find out it was th them the robbers. I fired to get me a little place on the corner and I parked and I jumped out and I run the house. The way they was doing they had it was a fake setup in the living room and they had the music loud, and when I came to the door, by me having the key, everybody else knocked on the door. When I came, so the guy said, oh, you must be the house man. Chicken Man came in the house, jiggling his keys, with Fireball right behind him. The robbers thought, oh, he must be the house man. He's got the keys to the house. Here's what Chicken Man walked in on. When I came in, the robbery was in progress. So he got a shotgun and uh, he said, ain't nothing but a robbery. And the reason he said it wasn't nothing but a robbery because it wasn't the police. You know, that because the, the robbers could take the money and go, but if it's the police, then we go, everybody going to jail. Robbers announced to Chicken Man, the house man, this ain't nothing but a robbery. Chicken Man interprets this, that losing their cash and jewelry isn't as bad as going to jail, which is what would have happened if the cops showed up. Our research shows that Chicken Man and every partygoer who stepped into the house had a 357 Magnum pushed up against their head by Fast Eddie Parker, or, as was the case with Fireball, had a sawed-off shotgun pressed against their back by McKinley Rogers. Tobe, the guest of honor, and a few partygoers were used as decoys in the front room of the house. Just imagine the extended horror on their faces as they were forced to fake party with the gunmen in the room for the past few hours. The tension in this scene must have been overwhelming. The gunmen had to manage every new guest as they walked through the door and then forced them through the front room and the kitchen to the basement stairs. Here I am with James in the house at the top of the staircase. So just to be clear, has this always been the way that is the, down to the basement? These stairs are the original carpenter stairs. You've always had to come through the kitchen and gone down into the basement. And the only way into the wow. basement. Mm -hmm. So we're talking a tight squeeze getting through this little thing. You got someone behind you. Oh my goodness. Be careful coming down here. Oh my goodness. And look at, look at how wide, I mean, you're talking, you can't even get two people necessarily side by side on this thing. Oh my goodness. Here's Chicken Man telling J.D. Hudson what it was like being forced down into the basement. They take me downstairs. Fireball was behind me. So, so they hit him when they coming in. The hit Fireball? Yeah, they hit him. It was a full basement in the house. So they took the people down the steps into the basement and they were making them lay down and men undressed so they could search the pockets and that kind of thing. They were talking on the walkie-talkies, talking to the people in the car. On the outside, every time they see a car come up there, they would follow them up. And when they get out coming to the house, they would tell the people in the house how many people was coming to approach you.
Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We know that this basement would have been decorated like a casino in Vegas. Chicken Man wanted this to look just like Vegas. So the craps tables could have been over here. You could have had a blackjack table that was over here. You could have had another card table over here. There was supposedly a bar that was set up in this area right here with maybe seven or eight bar stools for the ladies to sit at. I mean, it literally was supposed to look like a casino. Oh, wow. Okay, it's hard to imagine that now. This would have been like decked out to the nines. 
Here's J.D. asking Chicken Man if he remembers a woman being involved. There had to be about six of them, and a woman was there. Remember hearing some heels clicking? Yeah, yeah. They said some woman had on high heel heels, and they kept on hearing the heels clicking. And she was taking some shit, put in, in, in the, in the uh, pillowcases. Some of the victims claimed they did hear high heels clicking on the basement floor. And so that gave them the idea that there may have been a woman involved in the robbery. Plus, one of the women who reported the robbery said she saw a thin female hand reaching towards one of the garbage cans where she had thrown her diamond necklace to try to hide it. And so that only increased their suspicions that a female was involved. That female robber may have been Lillian Dabney, and she could have been assisted by Bookie Brown. We think he was forcing people down into the basement with the help of James Henry Hall. Charles Lee was probably in the house somewhere as well, and maybe even Houston Hammonds. All of these names will continue to come up when J.D. begins his investigation into the robbery. Let's go back to the house where I explained to James what happened to his uncle. So, James, your Uncle Gordon, Chicken Man, comes in as the robbery is in full effect, okay? Okay. Chicken Man walks in the door. He's got a shotgun that greets him in the face. They escort him down here. They strip him out of his clothes. Supposedly, they rob him of $971 plus some jewelry. But what was interesting about Chicken Man is underneath his suit and stuff that he had for the Muhammad Ali fight, he had on long underwear. Now, it's October, and it may be kind of cold, but everybody else supposedly had kind of like skimpy underwear or just normal underwear, whatever. A few of the hustlers who saw Chicken Man in his long underwear thought that he was prepared to be stripped, and that meant he was implicated. But Chicken Man felt he was a victim just like everyone else. Here he is remembering one woman named Gladys who did not want to give up her ring. Did the same thing. So the robbers was... Well, you could hear them, they were speaking that they were smoking. And you could hear them. I never forget a girl named Gladys from New York. And she saved one of the rings. She had one of the big rings. She better get that ring. Which one? She said, I cut that fucking... So, you know what I mean? They wasn't driving. Here's how J.D. described it to me back in 2002 when we had our first interview together. The robbers are preceded in there. They had bought masks and sort of shot and stuff, and they preceded them there, and when they got there, they greeted them, okay? And as each one came in the door, you just up about fast. They weren't dressed, both women and men, the jury, and money was sick. Minks, shoes. <laughs> they didn't take any mink coats, they didn't any of those alligator shoes. They didn't take any of them. They took cash and jewelry. Okay, right. Um, okay, so... I'm still trying to get this in my head. These people were down in the basement. You know, some of them were already there. Some of them were pulling up in their Rolls Royces or their big cars or their limousines, and they can't tell anything that is going on as far as a robbery. There's no yeah. screaming going on. There's no gunshots going on. They don't know what's going on. They got shot guns in that basement. You know, we had guys who told us they went into the house with ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars in their pockets. A lot of people were in that house. 
And that was, uh, what, back when $15,000 was a lot of money. It's like having $1.5 million a day. That's the kind of money those guys carried. Uh, that was a hustler who always had three bodyguards. Anytime you went into a building, two went inside with him. One stayed with him wherever it was on a building. The other one stayed near the door. And the other one stayed outside in the car. Never got out the car. And he was the last guy that came in. James and I imagine what happened to Frank Moten, the black godfather, and his bodyguards when they walked into shotguns pointed at their faces. A man they would have known, Tobe, we found out was the honored birthday guest, and he was sitting with a ghastly look on his face, greeting the guests as they walked through the front door. James then asked me an important question. Were they able to get the guns from them as they were coming through the door? They did get the guns from them as soon as they walked in the door. One of the guys supposedly knocked Frank's bodyguard on the back of the head or his back and basically pushed him down these stairs. As soon as you walk off the stairs here, you are probably forced into one corner of this basement. You've got one of those guns, either, either a sawed-off shotgun or a 357 with a silencer to your head. You are forced to undress down to your underwear. I'm imagining as a woman, you're completely embarrassed and pissed and scared of what these men with guns might do to you outside of making you undress. Listen to how J.D. Hudson described these gangsters like Frank Moten to Chicken Man when I interviewed them on camera for the first time ever in 2003. Some of the richest men in this country. Some of the toughest men in this country. Guys who would not hesitate to blow your head off. You know, because you stepped on their shoes. You won't take that money, and that was not important for them. What was important, they made those gorgeous beautiful women with these mink coats and all the dabbling undressed down to their panties. And that was then so. I can't protect my woman. I dare you. This is what is crazy, James. You have some of the biggest gangsters in the country from Philadelphia, from D.C., from Chicago, from New York. Some of them are killers. If they're not, they are tough hustlers from the streets. They all are packing heat, and not a shot was fired that night, James. I still cannot figure that out. That, to me, is the most shocking part of this whole robbery. Now, I understand when you've got guns pointed to your head and when you've got sawed-off shotguns at your back that you know that if you make a move, you could be killed, but there's so many of these gangsters that are being robbed. I just don't know how they don't pull off some type of retaliation during this whole thing. So with all this, I'm assuming that Chicken Man had me thinking, okay, well, they're going to be coming for me at some point unless I've definitely proved that I had nothing to do with this because they would think that he would have something to do with it with him being the owner of the home and having on long johns. So I definitely understand that. Even though not a shot was fired that night, you have to think that the gangsters who got robbed, who were embarrassed, who couldn't protect their women, had one thing on their minds. Payback. Fight Night is a joint production from iHeartRadio, Will Packer Media, and Doghouse Pictures in association with Psychopia Pictures. 
produced and hosted by Jeff Keating. Executive producers are Will Packer, James Lopez, Kenny Burns, Dan Bush, Lars Jacobson, and Noel Brown. Supervising producer is Taylor Shacoin. Story editors are Noel Brown and Dan Bush. Written by Jeff Keating and Jim Roberts. Edited by Matt Owen. Mixing and sound design by Jeremiah Kulani Prescott. Music written and performed by the Diamond Street Players. Additional music by Ben Lovett. Audio archives courtesy of WSB News, Film, and Videotape Collection, Brown Media Archives, University of Georgia Libraries. Special thanks to Dr. Maurice Hobson and David Davis. Fight Night is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. I got a big heart, and I'm very forgiving, but, like, don't abuse it. It's been abused enough. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one.